Hello everyone and welcome to the Be Light, Shine Bright podcast. My name is Pakala Kiara and I'll be your host. Here we discuss life and how the different facets of it can influence our mental health. We will talk about therapy, interventions, mental health and life experiences. Remember, if you like it, feel free to give us a share and invite your friends and loved ones to listen. I decided to do this podcast episode in honour of Heart Month. As some of you might be aware, I am a heart mum. So what that means is my child was born with a congenital heart defect and they call babies that have these congenital heart defects heart babies and thus we become their heart mums. February is known in the medical community as heart month and those of us in the CHD, the congenital heart defect community, spend February raising awareness around CHD. I thought I would talk about the things that I found useful and the things that I found not so useful and other different things in honour of Heart Month today. Currently in Australia, about eight babies a week are diagnosed with a congenital heart defect and four lives are lost every week due to CHD. There is no known cause of CHD. There can be genetic factors at play, but for the most part, we don't know what causes congenital heart defects. Many children in this day and age are diagnosed in utero, but there are a percentage of children that are not picked up on until they are born. Some babies are diagnosed with what is called critical congenital heart defects and my son Jax has one of those. His congenital heart defect is called Tetralogy of Fallow. Babies with critical congenital heart defects will need open heart surgery during their first year of life to survive. Jax had his open heart surgery at eight months old. I found out about Jax's diagnosis when I went for my 20 week morphology scan while I was pregnant with him. It was devastating. Nobody wants to hear those words uh, when you're pregnant and nobody wants to hear the words that follow. So I was told the day after my morphology scan I had an appointment booked with my doctor and she sat me down, I was alone, my partner wasn't there and she told me that my baby had something wrong with his heart and she wrote the name of the condition down on a card. I still have that card in my wallet. The words that followed were a jumble of things but the ones that stood out and still stand out to me are you will be booked in for an appointment at maternal fetal medicine and we will see just how bad the condition is and if 
the baby is viable and you can decide whether or not you would like to terminate your pregnancy. Now at this point I had already felt my son kicking and yeah, nothing can describe the harshness of how those words fell on my ears and I wish I never heard them while I was alone. So if you are a medical professional and you come across this podcast, I really do encourage you to think about the different words that you use and perhaps think about how your words can be framed a little bit better. So after his condition was picked up on this scan, I had to go to a special unit at the hospital in the city and where they double checked the diagnosis and made all kinds of different measurements the sonographer she was the head sonographer there at the hospital um, sat in the room with the pediatric cardiologist and they talked about what they were seeing on screen I found this appointment to be much more heartening and the language used uh, was very to the point but also polite now, I had many many more appointments after this um, to check on him and to have scans I had to change where I was going to give birth to him I had to change hospitals I had to meet with neonatologists pediatric cardiology um, doctors and junior doctors a whole different set of midwives um, we had to tour the NICU as well as the birthing rooms because when you have a heart baby they're taken immediately to the NICU now when you have a heart baby they will prepare you for the worst case scenario the best case scenario and everything in between it's not pleasant to hear but it probably is something you need to hear to prepare yourself babies with critical congenital heart defects like Jack's can sometimes need surgery on the day that they're born uh, a few weeks later or um, like as Jack's was lucky a few months later like when they are a few months old Jack's luckily reached eight months but we were always given the ballpark mark of probably around six months now babies with conditions like Jack's are called cyanotic babies this means that um, they have a condition that is wrong with their heart that causes their heart to either not be able to pump blood around the body or it pumps blood that has been mixed um, it results in their extremities turning blue and sometimes parts of their face turning blue especially when crying um, babies with tetralogy of fallow um, like jacks can also suffer from things called tet spells and tet spells are when your baby will turn blue sometimes they will turn unconscious and they will scream uncontrollably before this happens uh, usually the presence of tet spells means that surgery is going to be sooner going to take place sooner rather than later the things that i found helpful in the first few months of jack's life was to not go around anybody i didn't want to make him sick uh, i didn't want other people to ask to hold him I had a monitor that helped me to measure his 
sats, so his oxygen, oxygen sats, so that is the percentage of oxygen that is in your blood, and it can be done, um, we used a sock monitor called the Owlet. Um, this does go off if it sats go below 80 though, so it's sometimes not good for all um, CHD babies, or some CHD babies normal sat rate before surgery is lower than this. Um, but that helped to give me peace of mind while he was sleeping, just to keep an eye on his levels. It also um, gave me information about his heart rate as well. And it might not be for everyone, but that's something that helped me to sleep. Um, yeah, other things that helped were people that didn't minimize his condition. I had a few people that did that, which was largely unhelpful. They would say things like, he'll be fine, I know such and such, they had a hole in his heart, uh, la di da di da things like little heart problem. Uh, if your baby has been diagnosed with a critical congenital heart defect, it's not a simple hole in the heart, it's not a simple fix. He will need open heart surgery, as I said, usually in the first year of their life. Um, so helpful things are, I found it really validating if people listened to me when they asked me what was wrong, if they didn't talk over me, if they didn't try and minimize it, if they didn't engage in toxic positivity, uh, if they held my fears and let me know that they heard me and they saw me and it was okay. Other people ignored me, I found, and stopped speaking with me or distanced themselves from me. I didn't really find this helpful. It was actually quite hurtful. I know a lot of them were doing it because they didn't know what to say, but it made me feel quite alone. Um, in saying that, I did isolate myself quite a bit. As I said, I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to make him sick. But that I did find that quite isolating and very difficult and I felt very uh, not understood and not heard. I also found it upsetting if people would ask me what was wrong and then either stopped listening because they found it boring or perhaps they found it too much to handle. They thought it was going to be better than what I said. I'm not sure why but I didn't find it helpful when people asked me questions and then didn't listen to the answer. Some other things I did find helpful in those months before his open heart surgery were those people who uh, asked me if they could offer any assistance. I had people who cooked me meals and bring them over. That was so, so lovely and so, so appreciated. I had others who held space for me. Uh, I really leaned a lot on my mum and my sister. And the thing I probably found the most helpful was joining a community of other congenital heart defect parents, so heart parents, um, through the organization Heart Kids. Uh, and this was really invaluable to me. I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't have done that. Um, I met other parents of children with CHDs either similar to Jax's or different to Jax's but everybody understood what everybody was going through we'd all been there in some way shape or form and I made a really really close friend in there and her baby had the exact same condition as Jack's tetralogy of fallow and he was only a little bit older than Jack's so 
she was so helpful to me. I'm forever endlessly grateful um, that we have each other to talk to. She really, really got me through and helped prepare me as best she could. And I am so appreciative. Other things that I did included going to therapy um, so individual therapy but also couples therapy because um, sometimes as uh, couples we deal with things differently and we approach things differently and uh, sometimes it can be jarring and cause some miscommunication or uh, ill feeling towards one another um, so that really helped us to have each other's back in the lead up to it all I'm getting a bit emotional as I talk about this but I can say hand on heart 100% that it's the worst time of my life waiting to for the surgery waiting for them to cut my baby open so please be gentle if you have someone in your life that is going through a similar thing because you also don't know what else may be going on in their life I was having a very difficult time personally as well as with what was going on with Jack so it was a terrible terrible time and I really needed a lot of support I didn't sleep very much when Jack was little I was scared that something would happen to him while I was asleep I was scared it would have a tet's owl I was scared of what was to come and how I'd cope with it and how he would cope with it and how it would feel I had nightmares a lot as well. Now, when your baby is scheduled for surgery, you will have an appointment with your surgeons. They will talk you through the process of what kind of repair your baby will need. Um, they also have to tell you, we're legally obliged to tell you all of the risks and you have to sign your name at the bottom of many, many pages of risks. But the risks that I can remember that really stand out to me include death, stroke, oxygen bubbles in the blood which can lead to stroke, uh, pacemaker, many, many different things uh, and you have to sign this away. They will also walk you through all of the risks, all the statistics, all of the level of difficulty of the operation uh, and then about a week before surgery you go for pre-op and this is when they take lots of different measurements uh, bloods um, scans things like that just to check that you're good to go now you will get a surgery date but that doesn't always mean that that surgery is going to take place on that day so you can be rescheduled for lots of reasons but it's usually because there is no longer a bed available in the PICU in the, the intensive care unit. Uh, sometimes there also may be an emergency on the day where a surgery has to be pushed ahead of yours or something has gone wrong in a surgery. Our surgery was rescheduled. Uh, once in the lead up like from the day was moved but then on the day it was pushed back and back and back this is a short interruption to let you know that if you or a loved one 
is experiencing difficulty or is in need of more support, you can find me at maramacounseling.com. Be sure to check out the audio resources page also, where you'll have access to a number of free resources that will help you to feel relaxed. Be sure to take advantage of my 20-minute free initial session. I am also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Can't wait to work with you. Now, on surgery day, uh, you have to wait in the prep room so uh it's the room it's the room that you sit in before they take you into surgery and you are not allowed to eat in that room all the children are fasting for surgery and at our children's hospital it was a room where every everyone for every surgery waited in this room it's very emotional seeing other parents upset and worried uh, and children crying and that kind of thing it was really really upsetting for me when Jax would ask me he was breastfed he would tap on me and ask me to breastfeed him and I had to say no uh, for the most part I let Matt hold him that day because um, it reduced him want he, he re- reduced his feelings of hunger because he couldn't smell me anymore Jax was meant to be taken in quite early that morning, 8.30, but due to the issues with the surgery prior to his, he was not taken from us until 3.30pm. It was a very, very long day, draining, emotionally draining and physically draining day. As I said, we weren't allowed to eat in that room. Poor Jax was so exhausted, he actually fell asleep before they took him so when they took him he was asleep I can't describe how it feels when they take your baby away to cut them open and to repair their heart but it is awful Uh, that my partner and I cried a lot on that day Uh, What I found helpful was for no one at all, no one, to text me or call me or ask me any questions. Uh, I I couldn't deal with other people's emotions on that day. I didn't want anybody at the hospital. I didn't want to think about anybody else. Um, But, you know, for other people, they might want you there. They might need that physical support. They might need you to check in with them. I recommend it's always best to check with the person you are supporting what they need and what they want and go with that Jax was in theatre for four hours Um, they told us it would take four to six it was nearly right on the dot four hours Um, they called us and we headed straight back up to the ICU the PICU uh, where he was in his bed Uh, Jax did really well he was extubated on the table um which is amazing but he he didn't look well but the sense of relief to see him alive was very overwhelming um and to see all of his numbers he sat back up right near 100 was it made me very happy it was a very confusing time i was very happy and very sad at the same time 
like elated, relieved, but sad. Now they don't look well when they're on this table. They don't. They've got a huge cut on their chest incision and they have wires and tubes and lots of things coming out of their body. It's quite confronting. Um, the nurses and support staff do encourage that you take photos of this time to help you process it later but also to help explain it to your child when they ask one day about the scar on their chest. Um, and it's, it feels really jarring to do this but I'm glad that I did do this. Um, so I recommend doing that. It can help you to minimize the um, fear around that room. I still don't like that room. Um, but it helps me to process it better. As I said before, I found it really helpful for people not to contact me on this day. And I would contact them. Um, for myself, I found it easier to post on Facebook because it's like everyone um, I asked that people just read what I posted there to minimize the work that I had to do to update everybody. Um, some people didn't respect this, which was quite, uh, it, it hurt me at the time, but I don't think they understood. So I didn't, I didn't hold a grudge or anything, but yeah, if please listen to someone, if you ask them what will work for them. It's a really good way of supporting someone, just asking what they need and respecting that. Uh, while Jax was in hospital, Matt and it was only Matt and myself that visited. Um, while he was in ICU, when he was moved on to ward, um, the first room they put you in is close obs, so that's close observation. So you're the nurse is in a room with you 24 hours but she's got other patients in that room when you're in ICU you have one nurse on your baby at all times and they work for 12 hour shifts but up in close obs there's uh, two nurses I think in the room that we were in managing four beds so um, yeah they're there all the time then when you move to the other room they move you from hourly obs to hourly obs four hourly obs but for the duration we were in there for seven days the only other people I let visit Jacks were my other children so my stepson and my son and my son's father um, that's all I didn't want anybody else there it's a very very fragile time I did not want anybody to bring any kind of sickness in there uh, people did ask if they could come and tried to come. I refused to let them come. Um, I don't think I could forgive anyone if they made Jack sick at a time like that. It was during June as well, which is flu season here in Australia, and it was it was just a no-go for me at all. Non-compromising on that one. As I said, we're in there for seven days. We were discharged on the seventh day, so... You have to talk to lots of doctors when you're in hospital so please keep this in mind if you're supporting someone else um, for me as someone who is neurodivergent I found it very difficult just being in the hospital with bright lights um, lots of beeping lots of sound lots of people um, but that in addition to the stress that I was feeling it, I was in sensory overwhelm every minute of every day I was also pregnant um, at the time with my youngest 
Um, I was breastfeeding. I was suffering difficulties from stress with my breastfeeding. I... You have doctors upon doctors upon nurses upon nurses upon like specialist coming in and out of your room all day um so i didn't i wasn't sitting around the hospital being bored and wanting to talk to people and i found it very stressful when people were texting me actually i had to turn my phone on silent like all notifications off on messages but I had to keep my phone on as unfortunately that's how they call you if you've left the room for any reason um, in our relationship I usually take care of everything in the hospital um, as in talking with specialists and professionals um, my partner finds that quite stressful he doesn't retain information well he finds it hard to answer questions on the spot so that that job is up to me um, and it's stressful <laughs> But yeah, just keep that in mind. But the things that I found helpful during that stay in hospital were people that made food for uh, Matthew and I to eat. It really helped take the pressure off. They also have the Heart Kids um, organization that help you in hospital. There's a really nice parents room. And in there, they also had a fridge full of food that we could eat. Um, so we didn't have to worry about buying or leaving the hospital to go and get food. Um, only one parent can stay on ward, which is heartbreaking but um Matthew and I took it in shifts um you you're allowed to stay there when your child is in ICU there's a special level on the, our hospital where you can sleep um but all the other nights you have to choose who gets to stay and yeah so that's what we did um and did it in shifts pretty much um one person went home and slept and then come back and then we stayed both stayed there all day until very late at night you know sometimes it was midnight um drive home have a sleep and come back but yeah so the things i found helpful during that time were people that made me meals that i could take there and have on me um yeah people that just waited for me to contact them and then supported me that was mostly my mom i didn't really call anybody else that i can remember while i was in hospital with jacks it's very very hard to see your baby in that way um you're not you're not really allowed to hold them or touch them until day three or four of their recovery um Jax was also very active so he was getting up and pulling himself to stand on day four which was <laughs> a bit stressful for me um yeah it was just it's a very difficult time uh, after surgery coming home you can't you actually cannot lift your baby after they've had open heart surgery under their arms for 12 weeks three months I was very pregnant at this time so it was very difficult for me I had a lot of back pain and side pain and so much stress if anybody else tried to hold him and I worried if they would listen to me and my instructions and you know it's very natural to pick up a baby under their arms there's also lots of other things you can't do, like swimming for a while. I think that's six to eight weeks with swimming. Um, you know, you have to go get the dressing taken off as well. Um, the stitches, sometimes they have dissolvable ones. I think they mostly use those these days. But just, just being really careful with your baby and making sure other people are careful with them. 
And then, of course, you've got to go for your cardiology review. So uh, ever since Jax was born, we have to go for cardiology reviews every few months. So when before his repair, we went every two months. And then after his repair, I think we went, yeah, um, when he got his dressing taken off. And then again, um, three months they found that his valve had overhealed so they had to um, book him in for another procedure so he went in for that um, just after he turned one so he was 14 months old for that and they did a cardiac catheterization so that's when they balloon a valve they go up through their leg and balloon the valve but they had to put him under for that um, for that procedure he was under for three hours um, Lachlan was seven weeks old at that time, so it was Matt and I and Lachlan and Jack's at the hospital. Um, very, very stressful. Um, that time, Matt stayed on ward as Lachlan was so little and I was breastfeeding, both of them still. Um, and this time we decided to rent a hotel room. Um, that was quite close to the hospital so I left quite late at night with Lachlan to go sleep in the hotel room um, again things I found helpful were people that didn't call me on that day and things like meals and just understanding and being patient and not not asking for answers straight away um, you know I'll get to you and I know you want to know and I will update you so just remember that and just, just try and put yourself in the person's shoes and think about what it is that you might like. And as I said before, you can never go wrong if you're checking and asking. Never. Um, yeah, so if you have a family that has a heart kid, just try and keep all these things in mind and understand that the trauma that is resultant from this is long-lasting and far-reaching um we have to have cardiology reviews all the time and go into the hospital um jack's had one after his cardiac catheter and then he had one i think was three months after that and then he had a space of six months which was the longest period he'd ever had but you know his valve is still not good the cardiac catheter was not a success uh, he's still restricted so he will need surgery and we're just kind of playing it by ear or eye when they look at his chest and do these scans he has had he has been given nine months from his last review which is the longest he's ever been given so that's good news um, but it's it's a lifelong thing a CHD does not go away it cannot be cured it can only be managed and observed so um yeah keep that in mind and really avoid trying to ask things like oh so is it fixed now or is it all good oh he's good now though because it really obliges me to answer you honestly I don't like to lie and the honest answer is no it's not fixed and yes he will need more and I don't think people that ask these questions really care about that answer um, to be honest with you um, other things to keep in mind with CHD families is that things like heart anniversaries um, are important to them. So that's the anniversary of your open heart surgery. Um, 
I plan to do something nice on that day every year and if he has more surgeries do something nice on those days um, but I did actually have a panic attack on Jax's first heart anniversary and didn't quite understand what was happening I hadn't had one to that degree before um, so that was not fun so just being gentle around those dates and mindful of that sometimes the body remembers before the mind does um, trauma lives in your body and can be re-experienced um, and you know, the body remembers so anniversaries and things can be quite a delicate time not just for mental health but for physical health as well so yeah that's what I wanted to do with heart heart month um, this is a podcast that I wanted to do to help you understand what it might be like and give you a bit of a glimpse into the world of CHD and the things that I personally found helpful but please remember that these things might not be what somebody else um, dealing with a situation similar to this will find helpful so always check in with them but you can never go wrong when you validate people and hear them and listen to them and toxic positivity is not always the greatest thing to do it can make you feel very alone and not heard and like nobody cares it it's not actually um it doesn't make my anxiety go away when people tell me that everything's going to be okay or they're quite certain and sure that nothing will happen because hey i know that's not true i had to sign a, a very long list of complications that could go wrong so just listen to me or your friend if they're expressing that they are stressed and worried it will mean so much i hope that this helps um you may also see me on my personal page posting different things i'm participating in a photo challenge this month to raise awareness about congenital heart defects um and many other heart parents will be doing this as well and this is not for attention it's not because we're narcissistic as has said been, been said to me before it's not because I want to make it all about me and I don't actually care about Jax and I only care about myself and how I feel. It's none of those reasons. It is to raise awareness around congenital heart defects. It is to let other parents and families and children that have congenital heart defects know that they are not alone. It is to provide knowledge and education for newly diagnosed heart parents and heart kids um, and it's also to give some insight into an experience that you may not have had personally but you might need to support someone who has it's also to give you a bit of a preview into what may be ahead for you I found those posts the most helpful when I was preparing myself to have Jack's and for his surgery so um yeah please be gentle with your friends everybody's going through something that you might not know about and kindness always helps kindness is never wrong this concludes this episode of the be light shine bright podcast from maramar counseling i'm pakala kiara and i hope you enjoyed listening today. Keep your eyes peeled and your ears ready for more episodes in the future. And remember, be like, 
shine bright. Until next time.